The Time Traveling Robots in Space is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at audibletrial.com slash galactic netcasts. Over 100,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. The Time Traveling Robots in Space It's Friday, June 8th, 2012, and welcome to another Galactic Netcast. This is the Time Traveling Robots in Space, number 34 from Wausau, Wisconsin. I'm Dave Nelson, alongside Glendale, California's very own Paul Swickard, and joining us, fresh off a trip from Alaska, from Denton, Texas, it's Anessa Moyens. How are you guys doing? Good. How are you? I'm wonderful, Dave. You know what? It's beautiful here in Glendale. And I am not in Wisconsin or North Dakota, so I'm happy. Well, I wish I was in North Dakota. I was supposed to be in North Dakota by now, but I'm still in Wisconsin. There's a long story behind that. I'm not going to bore anybody. Let's just say that I'm in limbo right now. I'm in limbo, and I'm at wit's end. I'm at both, mm. if that's at all possible. That sounds like a really cool like movie title or game. Limbo Wits End. It's a, limbo. it's a 1970s game show, is what it is. All right, so, okay, this is the uh, podcast where we talk about time travel, robots, and space. It's in the name, in science fiction and science fact. Paul and I take a crack at each subject, and we break down our recommendations, and then ask the question of the week, and Anessa's here to, to give us smarky comments, snarky comments from time to time. That's her job. I want to do that once. We okay. Should, we should switch roles once just to see what, what's going on. What's the haps? Okay. Let's, next time we do the show, we'll have Paul contribute the snarky comments, and Anessa can do the stories. How about that? Sounds good. Okay with that. All right. Yeah. yeah cool. If she's willing. <laughs> All right. Before we get underway, got to tell you about something new. You can now buy a 30-second live read on one of the Galactic Netcasts for only $10. It's like a commercial. So if you want to wish somebody a happy birthday or happy anniversary, or if you've got a podcast of your own, just go to galacticnetcast.com slash advertise, fill out a short form, submit your payment through PayPal, and we will read your message in an upcoming episode of any of our shows, including the time-traveling robots in space. So here we go. Sector 1, time travel. All right, the X-Men First Class sequel is set to feature time travel, and you're really throwing me off there, Paul, by pointing things into your camera. I know. I, know. I always like doing that. See, this is an Anessa, this is what you have to look forward to, is to distract Dave with little funny things uh-huh. on the camera. Sorry. Yes, yes. I, I honestly didn't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm talking here, all right? Okay, <laughs> the X-Men First Class sequel is set to feature time travel and will be based on Days of Future Past, one of the most famous story arcs from the comic book series. According to E! Online, the makers of the film have registered the title Days of Future Past with the Motion Picture Association of America. The storyline switches between the present day, which I'm, I'm guessing is not really our present day, but present day from the 1960s where X-Men First Class was taking place, I'm guessing. You guys agree? That is possible. Yeah, it depends on which 
story arc they go through. But yeah, they're jumping between when? Like how far into the future okay. did they say? It jumps from present day and a future in which the mutants are an outlawed species following the assassination of Senator yeah. Kelly by villain Magneto. Okay. So when would that be? Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, it depends. It sounds like not in the not too far distant future. Like there's one story arc where they go many, many years after most of the X-Men have died with the except with a couple of exceptions. Okay. And it's like essentially a world war where things are pretty much wrecked. Um, it sounds like this is the precursor to that event. Okay. Chris in the chat room says there has to be sentinels. Does that mean anything to you? Which would be awesome. Yes. Do you know what Sentinels are? No. I'm not a comic book person. They're actually so. freaking robots. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. They are designed to kill mutants. That is what they do. That is what they're supposed to do. So they're huge mechanical things that are supposed to hunt down, uh, ro- uh, hunt down all mutants. Awesome. That is their job. Cool. Yeah. So I've been, I've been hoping for Sentinels for a while now. So the X-Men First Class sequel could have two of our components time travel, and robots. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah, man. Simon Kinberg, oh, who also worked as a screenwriter on X-Men The Last Stand, will write the script, while Matthew Vaughn will once again direct. The director said that for the sequel, he would only bring in one new character. So does that change it? Does that change the possibility of what we've talked about so far? Probably. Probably. Uh, well, it, no, not to what we've discussed already, but I can think of maybe... If, it, if they're talking about time travel, the logical connection is a character named Bishop, who is really supposed to be a, is supposed to be the one... He's kind of the guy who went back in time to help the mutants of the past prevent the apocalypse of the future. Okay. Um, but that that is... That's pure conjecture just based on this description. It could be any number of other guys, you know? Like, if we're talking about... It's, it may be even characters that we've already met in previous movies, but just weren't in the, the first-class movie. Okay. Well, this is very exciting. Um, the, the, the richness, yeah. the richness so, of comic book characters and movies continues. So, I'm curious. It says here that the, one of the screenwriters worked on The Last Stand. Is that correct? Yes, that would be Simon or Kinberg. Is, or does that mean? Okay, so but that is not in fact the same screenwriter as in First Class. No, the Last Stand was horrible. Yeah, see, I like, was going to say, have you seen them? Yeah, I was going to say something, but I'm glad that you beat me to it because that's that's an issue. Yeah, yeah, it really is. I mean, who's to say like where the fault of the film in its entirety lied? It's probably with a whole bunch of people. But I have to think that, and everybody kind of—it's kind of common knowledge that the Last Stand was awful. I—I I don't know, maybe, and may, that could be just because they tried to reinvent the series because, like, the events of that film don't happen ever. You know, mm-hmm. Magneto, like, spoiler alert: Magneto never loses his power. Weird about that. Well, maybe this—maybe um, this guy is better suited to to write for first class. You know, maybe, maybe it depends. Like if they're following, I think I, my thought is if they're following the canon, uh, they should be okay. Uh, if not, then we may be in trouble. Okay. So keep that in mind. Keep that in the back of your head. 
the back of your mind that this could be an issue sometime in the future. All right? Indeed. We're all warned. Future. And also, <laughs> also Michael Fassbender, who is in Prometheus, which opened this weekend, is yes, also going to be in uh, the first class sequel as Magneto. All right. So, Paul, I, yes. what do you got? Sorry. Didn't want to derail that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So we have another time travel film. Sony has grabbed Ethan Hawke for a time travel thriller called Predestination. Anybody out there heard of it? Yes? No? No. Know anything about it? It's, the, it's a cool name. Kind of a cool it's a cool title. Tell us more. It's, re- it's pretty awesome. Uh, the film chronicles the life of a quote-unquote temporal agent sent on an intricate series of time travel journeys designed to ensure the continuation of his law enforcement career for all of eternity. So, interesting that they throw in that last part, all of eternity. Uh, I don't know... Like, so does this mean he is enforcing the law regardless of time period? So is that what they mean? I'm kind of curious about that statement. Like, and, you know, the law changes. So is he going to arrest, you know, do things based on what other, like the time, the, you know, the laws of the time or some like agreed upon canon for, or agreed upon rule set that, you know, the, the agents follow? Who's to say? The, but now this is the kicker. Okay. Sorry. Yes, sir. I was gonna say, from the little that you've told us about this so far, it seems like very personal, selfish reasons for the time travel. <laughs> it's like I'm gonna try time yeah. travel for my own bidding. It did sound like he kind of. Uh, it did. Yes, you're right. It sounded like he was doing this for his own, maybe personal gratification. I don't know. But yeah, he was wanting, it, as the description says, to ensure his the continuation of his career. So, interesting. Okay. But, get this, for his final assignment, I don't know what they mean by final, the agent must recruit his younger self while pursuing the one criminal that has eluded him throughout time. So, consider that, Dave. You, being old Dave, recruit young Dave to fight the bad guy who's always like giving you some, some headaches. I don't know if I'd want young Dave helping old Dave because young Dave was an idiot. Actually, <laughs> we're both idiots. Both old Dave and young Dave are idiots. So maybe I'll I'd recruit somebody else. At least you're <laughs> you don't you don't trust yourself is basically what you're saying. Yeah, Anessa, what'd you say? I said at least you're being consistent with your old self. And Yep, you know what you get with Dave. You get an idiot, is what you get. So this that is absolutely true. <laughs> so yeah, this the film is by <laughs> the film is by the same directors as Daybreakers, if you remember that film, another Ethan Hawke film, actually. Yep, uh, the one about the vampires and you know humans and vampires trying to live together, and you know the their food is running out. I don't know. I don't know. Have you, have you ever seen that film? It's really strange. I haven't seen it. I've seen it on Netflix. I've been this close to right. actually clicking on it, but I haven't watched it. So maybe since you have talked about it, I will check it out. It's really stylized. But anyway, um, uh, I, I'm looking forward to this. I think it has a lot of potential. Uh, pre- uh, uh, supposedly, this m- film is based on a classic story, a short story called, quote unquote, All You Zombies. I have no idea why they chose that title, 
but it has nothing to do with zombies. It, and it has um, not. And it has. I've actually n- read that short story. So you have read it. Wow. I, I actually own it. Um, oh, sweet. Do tell. I was curious. <laughs> yeah, no. You. Well, all you zombies is just a reference to a quote towards the end where he's referring to the to the readers as being zombies. So it has nothing. Um, it has nothing to do with the oh, nineteen. It has nothing to do with zombies. It has nothing. Or has you nothing. You know the song. Yeah, I was going to say it has nothing to do with the 1980s song by the Hooters, All You Zombies. <laughs> oh, wait a second. Right. They got their that. idea for that um, song from that short story, I'm guessing. Possibly. But basically, back. the, the story back, is, is you have this person that's time traveling, and they go back into time, and it's it ends up being a paradox where... The song, right. I think it's like my I'm my own grandpa. That's basically story, where the person goes back in time, goes back in time. At some point in their life, they end up changing their sex, and so they end up being their own parent. And this person's like put up for adoption. They don't know that who their parents are. They grow up. They go back in time. They seduce the like some girl get her pregnant and then i don't know it's this weird paradox thing going on with all you zombies um it's yeah. maybe like a 15 minute read it's really short but i recommend reading it um i'm sure you can find it online um sure i have it in a book that has a bunch of sci-fi short stories in it so so that's really cool i'm guess- yeah, the, the article had said <laughs> the article had said that this was many like many people consider this one of the better uh, sci-fi reads out there. Um, and supposedly it's considered one of the, I guess, beginnings of the idea of paradox tales. Like just kind of like, this is the first idea where you, you actually created something that didn't exist before. Right. Cause yeah, the child grew up and ended up changing sexes somewhere along the way. And, I'm wondering how that weird. happens. <laughs> yeah. Do I want to know? It's it's in the story, I guess. They they explain it, but it's been a really long time since I've actually read it, so I don't remember specifically at what point they changed gender in their life. Mm. So, but. all right. Weird. I'm looking forward to it. It sounds. You know what? I'm guessing that they probably changed the story or added on to it. If it was only a very short yeah, short story. Stories like that. It's it was a very short story, and there's no criminal that they're chasing that I recall. So they've mm. added a lot to it, but I'm sure they just kind of got the general idea. Yeah, when you say based, sure. when you say based on a story, that can mean anything. That can be inspired right. by. I, I prefer, I, I prefer that it say inspired by, so that way you don't expect it to follow the story very close. Yep. Unless the criminal has a big cell, then. Rather than I'm my own grandpa. I'm a <laughs> I'm a big fan of Ethan Hawke, so anything that he does, I'll watch. So there you go. That's cool. Yeah, it's they're starting filming in uh, 2013, I guess. So I, given that, I wouldn't expect it to come out until the end of next year. All right, good enough. So again, the name is what? The name is Predestination. That's a cool name. Okay, looking forward to it. We'll keep that on our radar. All right, so uh, we would like to know what you think of the stories that we have covered so far. Please leave us feedback by going to contact 
www.galacticnetcast.com. You can also send us an email, galacticnetcast at gmail.com. We have a voicemail number. It's 805-328-3966, or we have a forum section on the website as well, galacticnetcasts.com. Okay, it's time for this. Sector 2. Robots. Robots. I think everybody should pronounce it robots. It's just funnier. According to... According to The Hollywood (laughs) Reporter, a movie based on the popular toy Lego Hero Factory Robots is currently in development at Universal. The line of toys has the tagline, We Build Heroes, and features a storyline complete with characters from mythology. According to the report, the characters hail from a planet where a factory churns out robotic machines whose goal it is to fight intergalactic evil. The heroes include characters such as Stormer, Bulk, Stringer, Furno, (laughs) and Breeze, and villains having the monikers such as Explode, that's X and then P-L-O-D-E, it's cute, Corroder, Uh Meltdown, and Von Nebular. I want that as my name. If, If I turn into a villain ever, I want to be called Von Nebular. Okay, Von Nebular. <laughs> the robots de- Very nebulous. Uh, the robots debuted in 2010 and served as a replacement to Lego's Bionicle line. The Hero Factory line also includes comics, a computer app, and a theme park. Theme park? Really? The film version would be a live-action adaptation set in the world of mythology. Have you guys heard, heard of these toys? Dude. No. I have not. I'm kind of out of touch with children's toys, though, Dave. I got to be honest. As much as I, you know, poke those things in front of you, I really don't know what what the deal is. It's probably a good thing, though, right? (laughs) Uh, Yes, I would think so. Unless for some reason, you know, I had children or were working with children. Yeah. People suspect things when you are really into kids stuff, you know? This conversation is taking a turn. Okay, let's stop. Expect. Yes, let's, absolutely. Let's, let's stop. But this this does kind of sound cool, and it sounds like they are continuing, or Universal is trying to continue the whole making uh, toys and making games into movies thing. So these are from Legos. They are like the Legos are, are making these. Yes. Yes. Okay. Who? I have a friend, actually, who works for Legoland who might be able to give me some inside information on this. I'll have to ask her. Do some reporting, Paul. Do do Because uh, that could be... That might be what they mean with the whole theme park thing. Because uh-huh. it might be like a section in Legoland. Okay. You know who would know about this? Just a guess. It, it'd be Chris Perillo. Chris mm-hmm. Perillo would know. Because he's like a big-time Lego guy. He's always... He's always showing off his Legos and going to buy Legos. I've I've become an avid watcher of his vlogs. He and his wife do a vlog every single day, and I always catch it. And he's always showing off. He's either always showing off his Legos or they're going to the Lego store to buy more Lego stuff. <laughs> uh, good for him. Sweet. <laughs> All right. So, again, uh, Hero Factory, Robots, Robots being made into a movie sometime in the near future. 
Anything to add, Anessa, before we move on? (laughs) I have nothing to add to the story. (laughs) It's always a good sign when nobody knows anything about the story that we're talking about. Yay, Legos. Yeah. Call in. (laughs) Tell us about Legos. We'll listen. I I played, yeah, call in, please. 805-328-3966. You know, I did play with Legos as a child, and that's... I guess something, right? Oh, of course. Of course. I have a couple of Legos on my keychain, but that doesn't really count. One's a pirate and one's Indiana Jones. Oh, cool. I love Legos. Okay, how big... Legos were like my childhood toy. How big is your keychain, Anessa? How much stuff do you have on your keychain? It's actually my work keychain, and I don't know where it's at. I should probably find it before Monday, but it's got maybe... um, like seven keys, a couple of key rings, and then I have the two Lego uh, key rings on it that also have the keys. So, well, at least you know. A nice little wad, but I do it so one, it doesn't get put into my pocket as much. It's kind of out. <laughs> I figured Legos that'd probably be a good idea because otherwise it'll fall apart. Um, I've already had the pirate. He's lost his hook hand and his actual hand, and I had to super glue them back in until they quit pulling out. <laughs> so, poor pirate. Lego Indy's doing really well, though. He's holding up because the pirate doesn't have a face anymore. The pirate's going, He's not saying anything now without a mouth. Yeah, that... <laughs> He has no mouth to say anything. So, if I'm bored, I'll actually like draw in a little face, but it rubs off after a week or so. Oh, poor guy. All right. Speaking of <laughs> speaking of uh, <laughs> not being able to do anything, Paul, you have a, a related story, right? Uh, that was the worst segue ever. I should be shot for that segue. <laughs> but that if I, is, that's well, the pirate amazing. died, and now there's death. Okay. So there you go. Very. That's that's the connection. Okay. Thank you, Anessa. Go ahead, Paul. Ladies and gentlemen, you are in for a treat, and I'm not exaggerating. This story is amazing, and I can't believe. I'd leave it to the Japanese. That's all I'll say re- with regard to that particular point. Okay. Artist and designer Dan Chen has created the end-of-life care machine. Let's just take a moment to reflect on what that might mean. And it it actually is exactly what you might expect. Tasked with, the comforting, with comforting dying patients in their last moments. A robot is designed... To comfort their patients in their last moments. Your last moments on Earth. And you're being comforted <laughs> by a robot. Uh, built for Chen's master's degree thesis, the robot is part of an interactive installation called Last Moment Hospital. And by the way, if I'm sick, I am not going to a place called the Last Moment Hospital. Uh Anyway, uh, visitors to the installation are greeted by a quote-unquote doctor, I'm assuming that means that it was also a robot, who visits them to lay in a bed and place their arm under the robot's padded caressing arm, which then displays a message reading, end of life detected. (laughs) Again, I wouldn't want to go there. (laughs) Wow. Uh, And it begins... It begins to read from a predetermined script, personalized with the visitor's name. And I, I am not kidding you here. This is exactly what it's saying. Hello, Susie, or whoever. 
I am Last Moment Robot. I am here to help you and guide you through your last moment on Earth. I am sorry that... Pause. Your family and friends... That's what it says. Your family and friends can't be with you right now, but don't be afraid. I am here to comfort you. Another pause. You are not alone. You are with me. Pause. Your family and friends love you very much, but aren't there. <laughs> they will remember you after you are gone. Another pause. And the best part of the script, time of death, 11.56. This is so great. Okay. We're sorry that your family and friends don't care enough for you to be at your deathbed. Uh, I, they love you very much, but not this that exists. much. I'm not, I'm not kidding. Like This really is here in our chat room. Know what? Here, you need to read. Okay, this. there's, there's gonna. Okay, um, did, yeah. did, did, did you read the story all the way through, Paul? Did you, did you go to the very last sentence or two? The among what you posted, or just in the article? No, where I on the actual doc was it? What, what's the last sentence? It says. Okay. Well, yes, we should discuss <laughs> this. Okay, uh, Chen's creation. Blah blah blah. <laughs> uh, I guess there's another robot that is designed to comfort and aid people suffering from dementia. And this is what inspired this particular thing. So, okay. Um, there were some questions raised. Really? There were questions about this whole thing? The, about the quality of, <laughs> of intimacy that a robot can provide. Um, and I would agree. As a response, and he took this in a completely different direction than you might expect. He wants us to question, this is, he's addressing everybody else, he wants to question the value of intimacy without humanity, and the purposefully designed last moment robot took a look like a machine. So, basically, what he's saying is, are your relationships really that important? <laughs> <laughs> Apparently not. Uh, All I need so, is a robot. robot is such a great thing. Um, and yes, the thing that Dave is mentioning, last line, there is obviously no plans to develop the robot for commercial use. So, okay, basically this guy made this as it's part of his whole as a thesis. Yeah, a thesis. So this is not for real. That's 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 the spoiler. Uh, I wish that I I wish this was real though. I would I wish this to needs God to come up in a film. This is this is a perfect like dystopian future thing. If this would because I could see this in like twenty five years. When like the world population has gone berserk, and like their your family can't be there because of they're off they have to work for a living and they're they're too busy to be there at your death's door that there's a robot to, I, I just see this as a dystopian future movie or story of some kind. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Oh, how's this? How about you? How about the story follows the robot rather than the person? So every single day, he just is churning through all of these things. And let's say, for the sake of argument, that he gets either possessed or becomes conscious. Like, yes. It becomes, like, real. How crazy would that be? Yeah. See, there. Patent pending. Okay. Go, go make it. Boom. <laughs> I don't know. Go and make it, Sony. <laughs> no, I like that idea, make Paul. It so... Like, like the robot uh, learns about life and learns to be a yeah, human right. through all of these ushering these these Nine humans people. off to their death yeah oh, time of death time of death 11.56 oh. 
Let's hope you're dead. Can you imagine? Oh my god. I'm not really. No. You got it wrong. At least I don't think. <laughs> and and uh. and that whole um, what was it at the very beginning? Uh, end of life detected. What wouldn't that be freaky? Yeah. Like if you hooked yourself up oh, to a machine man. and it said end of life detected. What? No. What the hell? No end of life detected. <laughs> I feel fine. Maybe, I'm not dead yet. Maybe it brings the <laughs> end of life. Right. <laughs> like oh. the robotic doctor could work in. Oh, I think I like that. I like that a lot. Like, like uh, this company makes all these end of life robots, and they they say that for, they're for guiding you to your de- to, to to death to help you, you know, ease into death. But really, they're killing the people. That's I like that story idea too. Ooh. Creepy. <laughs> it's like a oh, man. Okay, it's, it's like a Twilight Zone episode. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it, for no other reason, this is the reason why I like podcasting is to tell people about stories like this. <laughs> this is awesome. <laughs> all right, so thank you. I actually owe you all the credit there. Good, good job on finding that one. Good, I'm not okay. sure I would have ever. Yeah. Well, this is what I. This is what happens when I sit in front of a computer all day. Reading the feeds, yeah, you know, reading Google Plus, reading Twitter, reading Facebook, I I catch all of this stuff and bring it to you in podcast form. I present it to you as a podcast. All right, here we go. Uh, continuing on, the uh, time traveling robots in space is brought to you by Audible.com. For you, the Galactic Netcast listeners, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the chance to check out their service. As you probably heard this week, science fiction great Ray, Ray Bradbury passed away at the ripe old age of 91. So in honor of his long life of work, may we suggest a few of his books, Fahrenheit 451, The Martian Chronicles, or The Illustrated Man, all Bradbury classics, and they're all available on audible.com so you can get your free pick uh, our pick or pick anything you want with your free trial of audible.com to download your free audiobook go to audibletrial.com slash galactic netcast again that's audibletrial.com slash galactic netcast for your free audiobook and we thank audible for their support of the time traveling robots in space did somebody say space Space. Space. All right. Before um, I read the first story, Anessa, when we're done with when Paul and I are both done reading our stories, uh, why don't you tell us what you were doing in Alaska? (laughs) Also involving space. Yes. All right. So my story Federation, the first 150 years, a 200-page book of documents, illustrations, and artifacts chronicling the first 150 years of the United Federation of Planets will be released on November 20th. The book is a chronicle of the century and a half that followed humanity's first contact with the Vulcans on April 5th, 2063, from the construction and mission of the Enterprise NX-01 to the first clashes with the Romulan and Klingon empires. It's all there and comes complete with a stand that lights up and features audio recordings by Admiral Hikaru Sulu. 
The first 150 years started out as a project on the Star Trek Wiki Memory Alpha, and now it's ready to boldly go where no coffee table book has gone before. So again, Federation, the first 150 years, 200-page coffee table book being released on November 20th. Is this, is this something that you guys, either of you would uh, be interested in? Hmm. I am not as big of like a Star Trek fan as you, Dave. But I don't I know. Like Maybe. Yeah. It might be one of those impulse buys that, you know, if I were just cruising down the, you know, not border. I was going to say borders. <laughs> not borders. <laughs> no. A bookstore, a real-life bookstore that I would be like, ooh, that might be kind of fun to have. Like, if you saw this in the bargain bin or if you saw this on Amazon, like, sale priced would you pick it up like if it was like 20 bucks would you get this i'd probably do it as a gift for me I'd probably do it yeah <laughs> <laughs> congratulations on your job dave here thanks something to distract you congratulations <laughs> on your job question mark no i um i i definitely would be interested in this i one of my favorite books was i forget the name of it but it basically was an encyclopedia for everything Trek, and they used to release these every couple of years or so, when just in the midst of the Star Trek boom of the 1990s. And this kind of reminds me of this, and I love history, so I'd be, I'd be interested to read the future history of uh, the United Federation of Planets. Mm. And I'm guessing a lot of pictures. Cool. I, I like pictures a lot, so... I hope so. That's really what I mean. It's a coffee table book, right? Yeah. You so know, yeah, I would hope there'd be a lot of pictures. <laughs> how, you know what? How many? How many of my space stories do you think have been Star Trek related, Paul? Of all of our shows, oh, of all of our podcasts. <laughs> uh you know what? I learned long ago that you probably shouldn't ask questions that you really don't want to know the answers to. <laughs> so, that being said, uh, I'd say a good. Being nice, uh, 80%. Yeah, I think so. I think you're right. I'm thinking about maybe even having a separate Star Trek section every week, just so we can concentrate on other things once in a while. You know what? I imagine that, <laughs> I'd imagine that most people who listen to this enjoy Star Trek. So I think your Star Trek geekdom is more than welcome here. Okay, good. I'm glad. I'm glad it's not too uh, an, of annoyance. Okay, so... Uh, under the space category, what do you got, Paul? Okay. I want to... Don't freak out. I want to lay something on you here. Here's a cool concept. And again, it's... Uh, don't, don't be concerned. Spiders in space. Let's let that... <laughs> For those of you who can't tell, Dave, it might be a little bit phobic of Mr. Spiders. I hate so, spiders. <laughs> Okay, you know what? I don't. I don't mind like Daddy Long Legs, the ones that you see. Not. I'm sure you've got different spiders in Texas, Anessa, but up here in the Midwest, spiders are very innocuous. They're they're not that big. Uh, but if they start like having dark colors, that's when I have problems with spiders. Dark so colors. Are you a light... racist, Dave? <laughs> He's racist against dark spiders. <laughs> no. Okay. Uh, so you probably wouldn't want to come to Texas then, because we've got big yeah, spiders. Yeah, I've here. seen some. <laughs> I've seen some gnarly pictures of spiders in Texas. 
Um, actually, I have some on my Facebook, on one of my Facebook photo albums that I'll tag you in or post on your wall, but we have a banana spider, or we had a banana spider out at the observatory, and those things are like, they have really long legs. Wow. Out. Black and yellow and white. <clears throat> and their venom is similar to a black widow, but much less potent. So if it, if you were to get bit by one, you wouldn't die. You just get like a well. Okay. Well, you know, it's, it's not really yeah. the it's not really the fear of being bitten. It's just the fear of getting a big spider crawling on you, and seeing <laughs> and seeing fur. You know, colors and fur is something I don't like. So you, you don't like tarantulas. <laughs> I remember. Arachnophobia. Have you ever touched one you watch it, or let you? one crawl no, on you? No, no, no. Uh, uh-uh. no, no. Uh, uh-uh. uh, no. <laughs> Continue, Paul. Continue with your story. He is, he is actively, you know, I, just real quick, I had, a friend, <laughs> I, had, I had a friend who postulated that spiders are not, uh, are, are of Satan, because based purely on the fact that all you need to do to make spider, a spider scarier is to make it bigger. That's, that's it. You don't need to, like, give it more fangs. You don't need to do anything. It's, it is the, the right level of creepy. You just make it bigger and you're done. Yep. Yep. Okay, so I'm a little disappointed in this article because it took a direction that I didn't like. Like, basically, so um, a, a kid named Amir Muhammad from Alexandria, who, which, for those of you who don't know, is in Egypt, won a uh, YouTube competition that was, I think, NASA hosted it. Um, but basically, you they were trying to... It was backed by Professor uh, Mr. Stephen Hawking, and... Yeah they asked students to design experiments for space. So he, his grand idea was, okay, not only should, how can spiders function in space, but he picked a spider, this kid picked a spider, that doesn't do webs. It hunts by jumping on things. So it was, it was specifically about that kind of spider. Like if it jumps in a zero-gravity environment, will it still be able to hunt very well? So that's the whole idea behind the experiment. And the article, the CNN article took it in the whole kind of vein of, you know, there's a lot of problems with the education system in Egypt. And, you know, they didn't actually answer the question. So I'm a bit bummed about that. But I wanted to leave it to you guys. What do you think would happen in spiders in space? Other than being royally creepy. They would float just like everything else, right? <laughs> They would, but you um, like I if wanted... it were a jumping spider, it'd be kind of like it'd be especially weird, right? Because it just it just fly in a, in a direction. I remember would seeing it... um, an an experiment they did with a spider and just its web building um, process in space versus here on Earth. Mm-hmm. And I want to say that they went with one of the spiders that did like an orb, all the web, the. Standard generic spider web that you normally like an orb, not chaotic like a, a black widow's or something along those lines. And mm-hmm. it went from being kind of organized to just being all over the place because there's not any gravity. Okay. <laughs> no, that makes a lot. Of, that makes a lot of See, sense. Yeah. I'll have to see if I can find the video, but um, it was up, I think, maybe last year where they had an experiment just to see how the effects of being up in space would affect the spiders. So one, their webs would be different. Two, I don't know how they would eat, seeing that there's no bugs in space. 
Mm. Yeah, that's another well, issue. You have to get There's some that. space flies <laughs> and space crickets. And that would just get really and messy. Maybe. <laughs> and then the poor people in the International Space Station have to worry about cleaning their windows from bugs. Yeah. <laughs> and not on the outside either, on the inside. That would be weird. I think the spider, if it were small enough, might fu- accidentally find a way out and regret it. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, no, no, no. You don't want that to happen because then there would be leaks. You don't want any leaks in it, your spaceship yeah. or your space be. station. I don't know. <laughs> uh, you know, it's too bad that we missed a couple weeks so, because we um, we could have been talking about the um, Falcon and the dragon from SpaceX. Yeah, there were a lot of stuff. Yeah. I blame Dave, but that's just me. Yeah. How dare you actually find gainfully, gainful employment? Well, that's to be determined. We'll see. <laughs> potential gainful employment. <laughs> yeah, potential. Yeah, exactly. Sorry. All right, so anything else you want to talk uh, about? Any Anything else you want to say about that story, Paul, before we move on? No. No, I'm just, I wanted to get the, I got what I, I actually got what I was going for, and that is Dave being creeped out. So, mission accomplished. Yes, thank you very much. I will not sleep tonight. <laughs> I will, I'll, I'll be thinking of these huge space spiders that are like invading Earth. They're like ships almost, but they're, so they're spiders. See, we took, with the men in black thing, we have bugs in space. Think about that. Giant bugs. Think of how big the spiders would have to be. We also have stormship troopers. Oh, those things are the biggest spiders ever. (laughs) All right. So, hey, you know what? I got an idea. Let's (laughs) talk about the Venus transit. Nah, we don't want to talk about that. Yes, we do. (laughs) And you know what? We've got the the perfect person to talk about that. Anessa Moines, who went to Alaska to see it firsthand. So, Anessa, tell us about your trip. Tell us what you saw. It was very exhausting. Um, The original plan was to be in Anchorage at the University of Alaska in Anchorage, I guess UAA. And um, we were going to be at the top of a three-story parking garage next to the science building with all our our telescopes and cameras set up. But the weather forecast, honestly, looked awful just at least like five days out before Tuesday, which it was June 5th when it when it occurred. And the forecast kept looking really bad, and so we were looking at Fairbanks, we were looking at maybe going to Denali and see if we could talk to the uh, National Parks people to see if we could set up there. Um, and then we were looking at Homer and a couple of other places. <laughs> so we were ready to go, just depending on the forecast. And it ended up, the forecast changed the day that I got there, which was Saturday. And it was partly cloudy skies for, th- for three days in a row in Homer. And one day of partly cloudy skies in Anchorage. So we decided to take our chances. We drove down to Homer, which is about 230 miles from Anchorage, southwest of Anchorage. <clears throat> and uh, we set up the scopes there. We really ended up lucking out because Tuesday it was just blue skies all day. We had the telescope set up, a couple of cameras, and um, we were able to capture the entire event. We had another crew in in Hawaii, which has a 
far better track record of having clear skies that only caught the middle of the event. They had clear skies up until, I think maybe they said about an hour before the event took place, and then skies, the skies started to cloud over. So they packed up their gear, and they went to uh, the base of Mauna Kea, set everything back up again, caught the middle, and then clouds followed, and they weren't able to see the third and fourth contact. And that's really all we were trying to get, was to at least have either first and second contact or third and fourth contact. And basically what that means is so you have um, the, you have the sun, and Venus is trying to make its way across. And um, first contact is whenever Venus first, well, basically starts to enter um, the sun on one side. And then second contact is when it's inside the disk, like where you see Venus inside the disk. And they also call it like interior and exterior egress, if you want to get scientific about it. Um, and then... So we were hoping for either the first or second contact or the third or fourth contact for both sites to get because the idea was we were trying to basically um, Captain Cook way back when, I think 250 years ago, he also did the Venus transit thing um, in Tahiti and he was trying to determine the basically the astronomical unit, the distance between the sun. And um, <clears throat> we wanted to verify that his method would be correct by using modern technology, but unfortunately we didn't get the context in Hawaii, so we weren't able to do that part of the experiment. But, I have a, um, overall, and it, it, yes, go no, ahead. I have a question. So, Captain Hook, the pirate. Hook. Oh, oh, okay. Hook. I'm like, I'm like <laughs> Captain Hook, the pirate, was into astronomy? <laughs> What? Well, you know, pirates had to be into astronomy to figure out where they were going. Just saying. That, yeah, that's true. Yeah, they depended on the stars Captain greatly. Hook. Yeah, that's like that's they like that's a stars. movie. That's like Captain Hook, the untold story. <laughs> no, uh, Captain Captain Cook. It Cook. was um, Captain James Cook. Captain Got James it. T. Cook of British. the Starship Enterprise. <laughs> that's he far less Disney. Tahiti, and basically, they were. But back then, they used grandfather clocks and everything to try to keep track of time. You had other people in the world. And, of course, this stuff took time because you'd write all your stuff down and sketch it out and put the times. And then you know, they were trying to send the information to each other, and that would take weeks. And so um, this was much quicker. <laughs> just pick up the cell phone. Uh, we were going to do FaceTime, but we just got so busy with everything and bother FaceTiming with the other site. Um, gotcha. Yeah, it ended up being a really nice day. It was kind of windy, and so the wind kind of made it a little cold, but overall it was mostly clear skies and we couldn't have picked a better location because while everything was going on, we had snow-covered mountains and seals and uh, otters and whales out in the day. Yeah, you can't ask we for... We were at the end of the you can't ask you, you can't ask for a more like cool environment to, to watch this in, you know. You're in the wilds of Alaska, oh, I know. you know. And and you know, like everybody gave me a hard time for actually choosing to go to Alaska, but I'm totally happy with my decision. Plus, you I know what? I'm going back to 
Alaska at some point. <laughs> Plus, if you're in Hawaii, you got aliens coming down attacking you, so nobody yeah. saw a battleship, <laughs> so that makes nobody no really, sense. Yeah, it makes no sense. I'm like, yeah, Dave, okay. But nobody cares about Alaska, so I'm safe up there. <laughs> All right, so, okay, how often does the Venus... Um, we know that the next Venus transit is, like, in 21-something, but how often does it actually happen? Because the last one wasn't that long ago. Yeah, 2117. Okay, when was the one um, before this one? They happen in pairs. So, from... It was in 2004, then eight years... They're eight years apart. Um, 2004, 2008, and then you end up with a gap till the next one, um, about a hundred years ish. So till it's in 2117, which I don't really plan on being here for. <laughs> unless they, uh, unless they figure out, you know, um, cold storage and the whole, um, suspended animation, I don't think we'll be around to see it. Not if yeah, that no, death robot has so. anything to say about it. <laughs> Time of death, 2116. Essa. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for the report, Anessa. That was awesome. Um, I'm glad that we had somebody on the ground to cover this breaking news. Oh, and we ended up, well, I didn't end up being mentioned, but I'm part of the crew, the expedition team. So we're in the Homer News. Um, we've popped up in other stories as well. Oh, cool. That's cool. It took us forever. It took us forever to get from Anchorage to Homer because one, we were stopping every like quarter mile to take pictures, and two, my boss kept getting phone calls from the press. So wow, that one from Homer. I figured I'd give him recognition. That's cool. Yeah. That's really neat. All right. <laughs> we were picked up by the AP. Wow, you guys are stars. Are, although my name's never mentioned and I don't show up in any of the pictures, but that's okay. But hey, I was there. You were part of it. <laughs> You're part of it. That's all that matters. You're fine. All right. Uh, let's move on to our picks. We've changed um, recommendations to picks because across all of our podcasts, we now have picks and we have a, a, a place on the website that you can go to buy our picks and then a portion of the proceeds. Uh, a percentage of the profits actually go to us, so it's a way of supporting the show. So, um, so that is our um, that's, that's what we that's what we're calling it now. So I will begin with my pick, and I believe that Paul and I talked about this movie in I think maybe episode number one of Time Traveling Robots in Space. That sounds that sounds really familiar, actually. Yeah. So, oh, let's see. When do we? Okay, so this came out in 20... Okay. Yeah, this... I, sorry, I'm not making any sense. <laughs> no, 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 no. I know what you're saying. This movie came out around the same time of our first podcast back in, last fall. So that would make sense. Uh, my pick is Robotropolis. It's a movie that never made it to theaters, I don't think. I think it was direct to DVD or direct to uh, digital download. And what it's about mm -hmm. is it's about a group of reporters covering the unveiling of a new facility that is completely maintained by robot prototypes, which is a bad, bad, bad idea. Uh, when one of the robots goes haywire, the reporters find themselves not just reporting on the malfunction, but fighting for their lives. The reviews of this film are terrible, um, but I didn't think it was that bad of a movie. I've seen a lot worse. I've seen 
the Mega Shark movies. I've seen the sci-fi Saturday night movies. This, in comparison, was not really that bad. Uh, some of the acting was worse than others. There was some good <laughs> acting. There was some bad acting. Um, but I was really kind of impressed by the special effects of the robots. They looked like... They, I know it was all CG and it was all you know computer-generated, which is what CG stands for. Uh, but they looked like real robots. They didn't really stand out. They didn't look like a computer-generated robot. They looked like real robots in the scene with the actors. So at least they did that right. Um, you can watch it on Netflix. It's available for streaming right now. Again, it's Robotropolis. That is my pick for the week. All right. Very cool. You guys have any questions about uh, Robotropolis? Want me to... Answer any que- Do you have any questions? Do you, do you want anything in the back of your mind? you want to know about this movie? No? Yeah, the, I, I guess I'm going to echo what you said. The, ro- the reviews are not very good. No. You know what? So, I've di- I don't know what to say. I've discovered a really cool thing. Uh, read the reviews on Netflix because they're priceless. Go to bad movies on purpose <laughs> just to, to, to read the reviews. They're awesome. <laughs> All right. Okay. It, it, it seems like kind of a Transformers rip. I mean, well, not, not really. These these are these look like servant robots. These looks like these look like first generation robots. Robots that you would see like like 20 years in the future doing mundane things like police work and and maintenance work. These look like iRobot robots, Paul. We've talked about iRobot before. These are very right. much... Right. They don't look like humans. Um, and another thing about this movie is it was filmed in a documentary style because the reporters were there covering the story, and that's what also made it... It, it could have been worse if it hadn't been filmed that way. It could have been a lot worse. All right. All right. That's cool, I guess. Yeah. I, you know, see it if you have nothing else to watch. <laughs> or if you're really, if you, if you're really into robots... <laughs> you ta- yeah. If you're really into robots taking over the world and, like, and killing a bunch of people, then, that's, that, then, then watch it. Uh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> That's all you gotta say. Cool. All right. Well, I, it's a, well, it's like I, maybe if I if I saw it and it's not as good as you're saying it is, I might have words. But I yeah. don't know. You have no point of <laughs> it's reference. Like one of the, No, not really. Yeah. Uh, other than you know, it's direct to DVD, which is flag number one. Yep. That's true. Uh-huh. Eh. All right, so let's let's just forget about mine and move on to yours, Paul. What's your pick? <laughs> well, you probably don't have as much of an interest in this. I'm going to recommend a video game called Borderlands. Cool. Uh, Dave, are you familiar at all with the Electronic Expo or the E3? Oh, yes. You know what? I f- totally forgot I was going to bring this up. You were at E3, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So I... I'm the reason I'm going to E3 is because I have a very I had a very very thin <laughs> uh, connection to the gaming industry. So eh, you know that's cool. Um, 
yeah, I got to go, and the sequel to Borderlands is also up there. So, uh, yeah, they had... I don't know if you've seen this, but they have this little robot that is kind of like a... It's kind of turned... It, I don't know if they intended it to be this way. Maybe they did. But it's almost like a mascot for the game. It looks almost like a garbage can. Okay. But it, and it's, you know, its vocabulary isn't very good. But it's just one of those, you know, comic relief, funny style robots. Um, it, does it does it go beady 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 beady? <laughs> no, it actually talks like <laughs> it does talk like a person. <laughs> Relatively speaking, it's not like Tweaky. Uh, it's not like Tweaky in, from Buck Rogers. Beady 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 no. beady. <laughs> uh, okay. oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I barely barely know that reference, sir. Well, look it up after we're done. <laughs> okay. Uh, anyway, yeah, I saw the second Borderlands, which looks equally awesome. But yeah, the original Borderlands uh, is available now, and everybody should play it. I thoroughly enjoyed it. It's kind of like um, they're on a planet called Pandora, and they're looking for this sort of... There are four characters that are looking for this mysterious thing called the Vault that is supposedly having untold riches inside of it. And that's what they're kind of hunting for. And, you know, a bunch of people don't think it exists. And it's essentially a four-player first-person shooter. Do you know what that means? Yes, no, I do. You're... Okay, cool. Um, but, yeah, it's definitely the most fun when you have a bunch of people with you and you can play four people at the same time. Uh, so, yeah, lots of, lots of really cool stuff. Um, lots of good robots some bad robots um and yeah so what's what's that's, okay that's what going back to the story again what's the purpose of the game mm -hmm. what what are you supposed to be doing you were supposed to be finding the vault that is what you're trying to do is you are a vault hunter and you know most people think you're crazy uh it's not a very story driven experience it kind of is but they don't it, the focus is really not on that focus is you know, hey, this is a lot of fun. You get to have all these really cool weapons. Like, they boast, like, uh, a bazillion weapons. But there's robots everywhere that are trying to kill you. Uh, a lot of... Everything's trying to kill you. Like, the indigenous life. Okay. Uh, most of the robots are actually, like, they're... Like, they're not... Com most of them are not, are not combat ready. If you know what I mean. Like, they're just functional. Okay. Like, they'll just hang out and, you know... just they'll basically run whenever they see anything <laughs> if they th feel they're in trouble uh <laughs> you had to you have to repair some of them um there is an expansion uh to the to the game called clap the, these little robots are called clap traps uh and it's called the new robot revolution and you can see like a picture of it uh, but yeah, it looks like a it looks like one of those revolution posters. But there's a robot on the front of it. There's that you know garbage can looking robot on the front of it. Claptrap. That's an awesome name for a robot. Yeah, yeah. That's that's kind of the that's kind of their their um, the the real name is like a CL four P whatever. But they just call them claptraps. <laughs> that's perfect. Um, but yeah, the, the in one of the expansions, the entire robot people. I guess you could call them, end up having a revolution against everybody else and you have to end up fighting a whole bunch of them. <laughs> uh, Harv, so, in the chat room, not to take away with what you were saying, Paul, but Harv mentions 
the robot that talks to you before you die, we actually, <laughs> that's one of our stories that we talked about earlier, Harv, but thank you for bringing that up. Oh, <laughs> I, and absolutely, because everybody in the world <laughs> needs to be talking about this right now. Yeah. If you're not, that is your loss. Mm-hmm. Paul, tell us more about E3. Uh, did you see any stars? Did you see um, oh, Will Wheaton? Was yeah, he? Did you see him? Or they're all there. You know, it, it's just a matter of whether you see him or not. Um, I saw probably the highlight of well, <laughs> a couple things. One, uh, Snoop Dogg was uh, in a like, I don't know why he was there, but he was there. Uh, he was in a music video for one for. A fighting game of all things. Like it, that was a very bizarre situation. I didn't. I did not know what I was watching, but there was, you know, a rapper there. <laughs> um, what else was there? Uh, a lot of a lot of geeky people that you might expect, like Chris Hardwick, if you know who that is. Yeah. Um, uh, I saw the folks from Giant Bomb, which is a video game review site, news site. Um, they're really cool people. Um, a lot of, lot of, lot of fan favorites over there. Did you, uh, did you bump into Evan? Yeah. Evan, Evan, who was usually in the chat room, was there too. Did you bump into him? You probably don't even know him. No. Okay. No, not that I know. Of. Um, yeah. Uh, let's see. What else? What? I'm trying to think of all the like all the robotic type stuff. They they have the aliens game that's coming out soon. Yeah, that looks um, super the cool. Colonial Marines thing. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's been in development for a while. Hopefully that takes on uh, really. Hopefully that's awesome. Uh, obviously the second Borderlands, which I already said. Uh, what else? Any cool? Yeah, they have a lot of. Uh, there are plenty of other games that aren't really related. Like you have the next Assassin's Creed game. You have uh, a lot of those. A lot of shooters, like you might expect. Like the next. Oh well, I guess the next Black Ops um, thing that you wrote, that we talked about a few weeks ago. Um, with all of the uh, with all of those uh, sentinel type type deals, was you don't know what I'm talking about? No, I do. I do know what you're talking about, and because we, we discussed this a couple episodes back, but I wanted to bring up Halo. wasn't ha- Wasn't the trailer for Halo also debuted at E3? Oh yeah, yeah, it was. And the, interestingly, like okay, for those of you who don't know, for the longest time, the Halo the Halo series had been following an enemy called the Covenant. Um, the, there's a new enemy on this new series of games. It's they're making a quote unquote new series because there's a new developer. Okay. Uh, and the but the bad guy appears to be like I didn't get any firm answers on this, but it actually they actually appear to be robotic in nature. Oh they, wow! They like if you watch the trailer, they look like they're all non-biotic things. They're all robots. Um, they don't like they look almost biotic but they're not you know what i mean mm-hmm. like they're they look very like they're very smooth looking but they're not yeah they're they're all they all look robotic neat so i guess we'll get to know about that fairly soon is there any cosplay at e3 <laughs> yes sir there's lots of cosplay at e3 i guess that's a stupid <laughs> mostly question. those there's mostly actually you would have you in particular would have died. That they had the a Star Trek area, and they had a bunch of chicks in the old school uh, Star Trek uniforms, like the ones like the skirts. Yeah. Oh, cool. So yeah, there's plenty of there's plenty of cosplay. Yeah, because they they debuted the uh, they de- they released some information or debuted some 
footage from the new Star Trek game, which is going to be released next right. spring ahead of the new movie. Yes, sir. That is correct. All right, cool. Uh, you know? Yeah, it was a good time. It was awesome that you both were at something cool. We talked about E3, and we <laughs> talked about Alaska. That's pretty cool. All right, uh, again... You can go to uh, galacticnetcasts.com and click on picks and purchase the items that we talked about, Borderlands and Ro- Robotropolis uh, through Amazon. Actually, just you know, if, you're purchase- if you're looking for anything to buy on Amazon, go through our portal because anything that you buy once you're through our portal, that sounds awesome, you, uh, we get a certain percentage. So uh, go to galacticnetcast.com and click on picks. All right, finally, this week, question of the week. If you had in it, if you had the power to remake one science fiction movie or TV series, what would it be? I'm going to start with Paul, and that'll give Anessa time to think about an answer. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you all remember this, but one of my very first recommendations on the show is a movie called My Science Project. And I would absolutely want to remake that. It is one of, in my mind, it's one of the most unserved sci-fi movies ever. Um, I and you know, I guess I guess I look back on it with very fond memories and nostalgia. But I still find that movie hilarious. I'm not entirely sure why most of the time, but it's funny. And yeah, I would absolutely remake that. I'd monitor like you know, it was made in the '80s, so it's like um, all the CG that they used was really most of it was okay. But you could, but most of it's was still puppets. You know what I mean? Like all those little things that you'd see were just still like, you know, you could tell that they were puppets. So I would definitely want to modernize it. And I'd want to probably keep the same uh, sort of sci-fi flavor along with all of the humor. Like it's almost like, I guess guess you could kind of make a a comparison to Back to the Future. Like it's not super serious, but it's funny kind of a thing. What's the story again? Review the story real quick. So... So these kids in high school are supposed to do a science project. And in a, in a one kid's, I say kid, he's probably like, you know, 16, 17, in a desperate attempt to try and find something that would pass as a science thing, he goes into a military uh, dump, basically. It's all relic, uh, you know, airplanes and things like that. Accidentally finds this glowing thing and this thing is actually a uh, time-space warp device, and he doesn't really know it. So from there, uh, you know, <laughs> exactly what you might expect. Worlds collide, Dave. <laughs> and hijinks, like, I, I, hijinks ensue. Yeah, well, it's funny because it's not exactly what you'd expect from a typical time travel film. Like, it's not like he's going completely back in time. It's almost like there are bits and pieces of different dimensions being pulled into his own dimension. So you have like these post-apocalyptic creatures fighting each other in a high school, his high school. So it's, it's, it's kind of weird in that way. Like there are, there are parts of different dimensions all coming together in one place. All right, cool. I, I, I would love to see that a updated version and, and given Hollywood's track record recently, I could see them doing it because I think they're on a mission to remake every right. single thing that's been made already. This movie was never popular. If if I would be thrilled if they did this, 
and you know the lord knows this has happened like you, they try to resurrect old films that nobody or books for that matter that nobody's ever heard of um i would love to see it i don't i mean the chances of that are insane <laughs> i doubt that won't happen all right uh um... though though interestingly enough the most famous actor in that film dennis hopper he played the professor of the of the project that he's trying to do cool all right. Um, to give you a little bit more time, Anessa, I will do mine. Then we'll go to you. Uh, my answer. Right. My answer is sliders. Are you? Are you guys both familiar with sliders? Yes, sir. I've not seen it. Okay. Sliders is a show where this kid who develops this portal into different dimensions into parallel Earths, he gets sucked in or he goes through. And they spend the whole series trying to get back to their Earth. It's kind of like, it's kind of like uh, Quantum Leap, but with alternate universe travel instead of time travel, sort of. Right. And he takes a couple of people purposely with him, but a couple of others accidentally get sucked in too. Um, but uh, sliders, um, I would definitely redo, but I would change it a little bit. I'd make it centered around a government agency that basically polices the activities of others going from universe to universe. Uh, and they're like also, that idea. what's that? Having like a government thing. You like having a government overseer. Yeah. Like, you know, in a temporal sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they're also out there to discover other earths as well. Um, and to make first contact and maybe, maybe collect technology kind of like a Stargate thing. But instead of going from, from different Earths, or, or I mean, different planets, going to different Earths in different parallel universes. Um, that's what I would do with sliders. Um, and I actually, this is actually a recycling of one of my predictions that I made on Forecast this week on the Twit Network. So I kind of adapted it to this. Um, that was a fun experience. <laughs> See, not you guys aren't the only ones that did something cool this week. I was on a Twit show on the Twit network, so take that. Oh, yeah. I heard about that. Yay. How'd that go? Good. I mentioned your name before, before the show started to uh, Scott. Oh, sweet. Yeah. So. Hopefully he actually knew who I was. No, he did. He, <laughs> he, you were on one of his shows, for God's sakes. And he mentioned that, too. I know. <laughs> I'm actually going to probably be on, to talk about E3, I'll probably be on the final score later on today. Oh, Actually, awesome! In Forty-five minutes. So, cool. Yay! Cool. So, uh, go over to uh, Frog Pants. What's What's the website? Yeah, frogpants.com, and then uh, from there, if you go to Frog Pants and you select one of the live streams, yeah, uh, you'll select. You can select the live stream, and then you are good to go. And yeah, again, three o'clock. Anyone who's interested in the video games should go. All right. Cool. All right, so um, did that, did we give you enough time, Anessa, to uh, pick a movie or TV show that you'd like to see redone? Uh, yeah, I think so. <laughs> um, so I was thinking about it, and I would actually like to see uh, Tunnel Under World done into a movie. Um, I know it came out in the BBC series um, Out of the Unknown, and you had actually directed me to that because I had told you about the short story. Yeah, and under the world. I found the episode. I had no idea. That yeah, it was, I found it on, yeah, on you YouTube. Yeah, found the episode on the. Yeah, 
And so that's something that I would actually like to see made into a movie now. Um, just because I really like the story. I like the concept. Um, and I would like to kind of bring it to people's attention. Not so much to remake it, just to put it out there for people to know it exists. For those not familiar with the story, why don't you just run down the plot real quick? Okay. Um, in a way, it has kind of a Matrixy vibe to it. Um, I'm, I'm trying to remember who it's written by. Hang on. Um, but basically, you have these people. Oh, it's written by Frederick Pohl um, back in 1954. And it's basically these people are living in their town. They wake up one morning and they hear advertisements going on. And um, this one one guy ends up getting approached by another individual um, that seems to know who he is, but he's never met before, or hasn't seen before. And so it's just kind of a weird day. Like the main character starts getting a sense of deja vu, and it ends up turning out that also, I guess, kind of like a Groundhog Day scenario where they just keep reliving the same day over and over and over again. And um, in the end, you end up finding out why and what's going on. And I won't really say anything else for people to read it, but it has kind of a Groundhog Day vibe to it. That they have to keep really reliving the same day over again. So. I recommend it. Um, and I'll try to find... Maybe I'll try to find the British series that it was featured on and put that in our picks section yeah. on the website, too. Okay. okay. Yeah, because it was done on the series Out of the Unknown. So that's the name of the series. Okay. I'm going to write that down. It's kind so of I, a twilight zone that they do with sci-fi. Yeah, you know what? That's a really cool series. Anybody interested in anything out of the ordinary... If you if you've seen every single show on American TV and you're looking for some, something new, huh. just do a search on YouTube for British series because there's a lot of neat like British series that were only on for a couple of years that you will find, and some great anthology series as, as series is as well. So uh, do a little Google searching and uh, you'll find something that you'll like. All right, so there you go, Ooh. our picks for the week. Uh, if you are, or no, our, not our picks, our, uh, our question of the week, if you have an answer for our question, leave it in the blog comments section of the episode at galacticnetcast.com, or you can uh, leave it in the, uh, the forums as well at galacticnetcasts.com. Don't forget to uh, subscribe to Time Traveling Robots in Space or to the mega feed, both going to subscribe.galacticnetcasts.com. All right. That's going to do it for this episode of Time Traveling Robots in Space, number 34. Any final thoughts before we get out of here, guys? Anessa, Paul? Be excellent to each other. <laughs> Look both ways before crossing the street. All right. Good enough. We'll talk to you guys later. Leave your hailing frequencies open and scanners on full because another Galactic Netcast will be approaching your coordinates soon. For more information, go to galacticnetcasts.com.